This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Now we are in the middle of a series that we've called Life Support. And the intention of Life Support was just to realize up front that most of us, most of us have issues that are in our lives already that are critical. There are issues that already exist in our hearts. There are things that are are broken that need attention. And the first week we looked at, in, in a broad sense, the things that could be in critical condition and steps that we needed to take. Last week, we looked and zeroed in on the heart. And we looked at the one thing that happens in a heart that can absolutely wreck a life, and that is refusing to let go of something that God has already told us to let go of. Holding on to something and that blocking the flow of life that Proverbs tells us comes out of our heart. And and we looked at really what does it mean to forgive the way that God would have us. And this week, we're going to talk about family. How many of you know ahead of times, without having any any other discussion, we, we know family in our country and in our culture is just in crisis. How many of y'all know that? Right now, the, the latest statistics tell us that out of every 1,000 people in the United States, there are 6.8 people getting married each year. Out of every 1,000 people, there are 3.6 people getting divorced. All right, that, that's half. That's 52% is the rate right there. That's not an, an accurate representation, but, but think about this with me. Do you know who actually compiles those stats? The CDC. The Centers for Disease Control compile stats on marriage. In our culture, the study of marriage has been relegated to a center that studies disease. You get that with me? In some countries in Europe right now, if you go to get a marriage license, that license, just like your driver's license, will have an expiration date. Now, I'm not joking. We live in a world where the home, our home, is in crisis. And it was not that different than actually the day that Jesus lived. In Matthew 19, Jesus is pressed with a question that has to deal with divorce. And really the question is to ask about whether divorce is permissible or is it not permissible and and trying to drill down into Jesus and and really trick him. And in Matthew 19.8, Jesus says this, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. 
but it was not what God had originally intended. See, in that moment, Jesus lets them know, hey, divorce is not an issue of right. It's a hard issue. And the issue is that the reason Moses said, yes, we'll write a certificate of the reason was simply because your hearts got hard. I want to remind you of a statement that I've said a lot of times. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what only a few have, we must be willing to do what only a few will do. And what's a normal marriage look like? What does a normal marriage look like? I'm going to give you four steps that are, are step normal trajectory steps that end up in divorce inside the context of a home. We'll call them the steps to a normal marriage because we don't want a normal marriage, do we? The first thing that we see is that we are naturally selfish. We are naturally selfish. And, and, and you know, the thing about this is every single one of us in this room is already on step one. You're already there. Like we don't have to work any harder and make any, we're already on step one. We're already naturally self-centered. James 3, 4 through 16. If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of every kind. See, Selfishness leads to brokenness. Selfishness leads to brokenness. When my plan becomes elevated above God's plan, all of a sudden, the way that I live, the way that I navigate the world will break the things around me. The things that I love the most will be broken. The second step that's in your notes, is that we are easily distracted. We are easily distracted. I don't know about you guys, but when I go home, after working and writing and being in meetings all day, depending on what the day looked like, when I get home, there are hundreds of things vying for my attention. Phone calls, text messages, Facebook to check, right? And then there are things like my children and my wife. 
And it's easy in life to get distracted from the things that really matter. It's easy to have our attention shift. And even just a subtle shift can make all the difference in the world. Look at this, Mark 4.19. All too quickly, this is Jesus speaking, the message is crowded out by worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire of things. So no fruit is produced. All too easy. The ultimate goal of life, which is to serve and follow Jesus, is crowded out with the desire for other things. And it's not that those things are bad. But the way that we put it around here is that we don't want to sacrifice the best things for good things. The third thing that happens is that we become deceived. We become deceived. That there is something that is not the truth that creeps in to the way that we perceive the world. And that deception, as it begins to infect our home, will change the way that we love each other. It will change the way that we communicate with each other. It will change the way that we treat each other. There are three lies that I want to just spend a few moments talking about. The first one is called the wedding lie. And if you're married, every single one of you is going to hear this from time to time. The wedding line is this. I shouldn't have married him. He wasn't the person God wanted me to marry. We weren't really meant to be. He's not my soulmate. If I ever hear the word soulmate again, I'm going to vomit on somebody. <laughs> really. And it's that lie that looks back at that wedding day and says, that was a mistake. When I was younger, I had a friend who, at a very early age, only 18 years old, got married. And a bunch of us were watching the wedding go down and really kind of like didn't really know what to think about the engagement because it was so shocking and I'm sitting there with a friend in the, the audience as they were getting married. And my friend leaned over. And this is why. This is what he said to me. He said, I don't know if it was God's will for them to be married up until now, but it's definitely God's will now. <laughs> because once that covenant is entered, 
we know without, beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's exactly what God wants us to stay in. The wedding lie. The second thing is what I like to call the feelings lie. I'm not going to be able to even count the times that I've had someone come into my office and say, Pastor, I just don't love my spouse anymore. What? (laughs) Just don't feel it the way I used to feel it. You know, all all of the kind of emotions around it, it's just gone. Which is normally saying that there's somebody else that I have feelings for now. But typically, that I don't love them anymore. Talk about a big misunderstanding of love. Love's not an affection that we turn on or turn off. It's the decision that we make. It's not not based on how fast your heart's beating. And you know what? Your feelings lie to you. And if you live your life based on your feelings, you're going to screw it up. These kids up here, like take my little girl, right? My two-year-old little girl. She's going to be three this summer. She wakes up in the morning. I go, Adelaide, you can do whatever you want. I want to watch TV all day and eat candy. That's what she wants to do every day. Is that good for her? No. So you know what I say? No, we're going to get up and eat something healthy. And you're going to go to your grandparents because they're going to run you ragged. So by the time you get home, you'll actually go to bed. Some of you have bought into a lie that God wants you to be happy. Some of you have bought into a lie that God wants you. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. And he will sacrifice your happiness to get you holy. Feelings lie. The third thing is the denial lie. <laughs> Everything's going crazy. World's falling in. How you doing? I'm fine. How's everything at home? It's great. Got a great marriage. Wife's just as happy. You're looking over there. Wife's face is like, you, are you even looking at this? When you tell me that, you're in denial, brother. I'm sorry. And sometimes some of us have an internal bend to look away from the things that are difficult. And we... Buy into a lie that everything is okay when it's not. And when we live with that as our dominant perception, we're literally just living deceived. We're just living deceived. The last thing that happens in a normal marriage is that we give up. We give up. We're deceived. We're no longer focused. We're distracted. We are now self-centered and worried about what I get out of this. And 
in the end, we walk. And for those of you that are on the verge of that today, I want to share this passage of Scripture from Hebrews 10. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Patient endurance. Sometimes we hit situations and it's just, we want an instant fix. We want God to come in and to wave his hand and to fix everything. But God says, sit there, be patient, and endure. Because he's probably doing something inside of you that you need him to do. Today, I would like to give you a few things that will help to bring some health back into your homes. But I'd like to start by looking back at Matthew 19 in verses 4 through 6. Again, Jesus speaking. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They report, they record that from the very beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And let me just say today that I'm going to pray that what God has joined together, the two that have become one, and even in these families, the two that have become not just one, but now another one, right? That God will not allow those things that have been joined together by his power to ever be split apart. I want to give you a few challenges that if over the next three weeks you will go home, and put these intentionally into practice, I believe that it is going to infuse and inject some life back into your homes. The first thing is, hurry home. Hurry home. I think one of the quickest ways to measure the health in a household is how much of a hurry mom and dad are in to get home in the evening. If you're that guy that wants to find every excuse to stop off and visit and before you land at home, There might be something going on in your heart. You see, because what happens with us is that we do what? We get distracted. The Bible tells us 
this in Isaiah 53, 6. That we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to its way. And we believe that God, as a family, has called us to have a homeward orientation. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Is that you don't live for your job. Most people in America, most people are two or three bad decisions at work from just straight up getting terminated. In the culture that we live in now, that is shortened to one or two. I have sat across the table in meetings with men who have poured their lives into their jobs, into companies, only to have them ripped away from them. And I'm not just talking about men who worked for corporations. I'm talking about small business owners who made a bad decision and got their pants suit off. If you live for your job, you will find absolutely no gratification in it because it is a big, huge pit that you'll keep throwing your life into and it will never fill up. And we believe that in the home, we can, both dads and moms, husbands and wives, that we can build something that is meaningful and lasts. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 from the Living Bible says this, love does not demand its own way. So hurry home. The second thing is to cultivate communication. When I get home in the evening, most of my day is typically spent talking to people and everyone in this room thinks, but Kevin, don't you want to just, you probably just talk your ears off your wife. No, I don't really at all when I get home I'm like come here baby just sit next to me I don't want to talk right now <laughs> mom talked out I've listened to everybody all day long and she's like but look at me I'm like but my ears are pointed at you doesn't that doesn't that matter I don't listen with my eyes we need to be the kind of people that work to cultivate communication men can I tell you the sexiest words that you'll ever get to utter to your wife now listen, tell me more. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not joking. Go home and try that. Just One day I did that to Amanda. She didn't know I was experimenting on her. And for a solid 60 minutes, she told me all about her day. I'm like, hmm, tell me more. Cultivate communication. You see, conversation actually sustains a relationship. That's why we pray to Jesus, because our prayer is a communication to God, and it sustains our relationship with God. So we need to pray. And too often in our homes, lies are being heard from things that aren't being said. Y'all listen to me again. Lies are being heard from things that aren't being said. So we need to be the kind of people that say the things 
that really matter. I love you. You're awesome. Couldn't do this without you. If you think those things, but you're not saying them, it's quite possible that the enemy is working to try to convince them of the opposite. The third thing is that we need to nourish romance. We could probably do a whole other series on that one, couldn't we? This is a great joke. This is a great joke about this. As a guy came home, went walk, walked right by his wife, went straight to the medicine cabinet, grabbed two Tylenol, walked back to his wife, and gave her the two Tylenol. And she said, why are you giving me two Tylenol? He said, I'm giving them to you for your headache. She said, well, I don't have a headache. He said, that's right, you don't. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's an area that most of us need to work on. Proverbs 519, may you ever be captivated by her love. May you ever be captivated By her love. Number four, we need to celebrate differences. For most of us, the things that are different about our spouse, the things that are different in our family unit are the things that bug us the most, aren't they? I'm all neat. She's all disorganized. Can't you just get it together? (laughs) You know? We think that way, don't we? But we need to celebrate the differences that exist there. You want to know why? Because if you're the neat person in your house and your your spouse is the the crazy, messy person, raise your hand. All right. All right. If you're raising your hand, you would never have any fun if it wasn't for your spouse. All right. You probably never laugh. You just sit around, look at your house, look how clean it is. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Look. We need to celebrate the differences. Mark 3.25 says that if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Think about that with me. That if we let the things that are different, and, and that's how God works. He puts us with people that are different than us. And if we let those differences divide us, we can't stand. But we can celebrate those. Proverbs 43 or 24 3. Homes that are built on the foundation of wisdom. Homes are built on a foundation of wisdom and understanding. And that, that wisdom is understanding that God has put you with someone who is probably stronger in an area that you're weak at. So celebrate the differences. Number five, finish together. Finish together. I, I think one of the common threads that I have seen in successful marriages that have lasted decades and decades and decades is that they are mutually committed to finishing the race. You want to know why? Because it's not always going to be easy or convenient. It's not always even going to make sense. My wife works with a ton of different clients. And if she gets someone in her office that has been married for 40, 50 years, she always asks them a question, how'd you do it? And the same answer comes out almost every time. It was really hard. That's awesome. Some of y'all about to get married. (laughs) Look what you're getting into. It's really hard. But you want to know something? If it was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. 
There's very few things in life that are easy and worth it. As a matter of fact, most of the things that are easy aren't worth it. It's worth it because it is a tool that God will use to shape us. And the last thing that we need to do is to trust Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. In our homes, in our marriages, in our families, it's quite easy to trust a lot of other things. We live in a a country that has afforded us incredible medical care. So when a sickness comes up, it's really easy to trust the doctors or a pill. We live in a, a world where we don't deal with hunger on a regular basis. We don't deal with a lot of serious oppression on a regular basis, but that stuff does come, but it comes in different forms. And when it comes in different forms, it's really easy to trust something other than Jesus. Whatever you face today, whatever you face, you can trust Jesus. I love this story from Jesus in Luke 8. They have decided to cross the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has gotten in the boat with his disciples. And the storm comes. And the disciples are so worried about this condition of the boat that they think that they're about to drown. And Jesus is asleep. (laughs) Think about that. He's not even worried. He's not freaking out. He's asleep. And so they wake him up. And Jesus speaks to the wind and to the waves. And they calm. I want to tell you something today that you probably need to hear. You're going to face storms in everything. The wind and the waves still know the name of Jesus. And when He speaks to them, they will be still. If you trust something else, you're trusting something that can't fix your problem. Let's trust God. Let's pray. Jesus, we just look to you today by your Grace and mercy, we just ask you to come and to speak to us, invite us into something that's different and bigger than us. Today, God, we just humbly bow before you and recognize that in many ways we haven't trusted you. And so right now we just confess, God, that we've blown it in that way. So we ask you to come and to change all of that for your glory and for your good. Now, with nobody looking around, I want to ask a question. I want you to be very honest with yourself first about. Have you fully trusted Jesus? Have you fully and completely trusted God? Or is there some part of your heart that has been trusting something else? Today, if you recognize that you have not really completely engaged Jesus with your trust, 
He stands worthy of it. And all it takes is just a moment for us to decide that we want to follow him and he is faithful. So if that's you today, if that's you, you say, hey, I haven't fully trusted Jesus, but I want to. Maybe right now is a moment for you to do that. If that's you and you would say, I really haven't really trusted Jesus the way I want to. I want to completely and fully trust him. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? That's awesome. Is there anybody else in the room that would say that that's them? So God, for those of us that are in the room today, that are facing the waves and the wind, God, we look to you and we ask you to come and to calm them. So that by your grace and mercy, God, we can see that you are worthy of our trust. We trust you with our kids and with our families, with our marriages. God, in the name of Jesus, we trust you. Amen. Amen.